the African philosophy is something that's kind of missing, I think, a lot from the discourse. I wanted to kind of highlight it, just like the importance of us going back to um, Africa. Just because you're a hypocrite doesn't, doesn't mean you're wrong. No, yeah. not, not just that it doesn't mean you're wrong, it doesn't remove the validity of the question. Mm. I think it's the issue of picking on Africa. We need to create a generation where there's so many young, bright leaders. Welcome to Afrolog Podcast, a platform for informed debate and discussion on African and the wider black community issues. Welcome to Afrolog. My name is Bethana and I'm here with Dami, Rashid, Kevin. Just going to introduce Janina. So last week we did discuss Black Lives Matter and because a lot of things have escalated this week, we are going to bring the discussion to this week's episode as well. Um, but before we do that, last week I did mention how important it was uh, to remember Black women and the deaths of Black women and hashtag say her names. Um, and so in the spirit of decolonize the curriculum, I am starting a, a book club that focuses on black women's literature. Um, because, you know, Thomas Sankara did say there's no revolution unless women are liberated. And um, so if you want to come on board, it's it's t- underscore two sides on Twitter. And the first book we'll be discussing is Zora Neale Hurston. Yeah, that sounds really interesting, by the way. I'm going to come and have a look yeah you guys need to come it's not just for women like you guys need to read our tales and learn about us <laughs> which book by zora um if the... their eyes were watching god that sounds good let's do it yeah i um, saw it on twitter as well now i mean on instagram and i was like oh this looks interesting but it's only for women it's not for women i think because I, mean... I mentioned women literature i should have should have not done that but it's for everyone. okay okay cool cool be down for that so Let's start with talking about Black Lives Matter and talking about everything that has come out of the, the protests and the movement in the last few weeks. Um, more recently, the abolish the police hashtag has emerged on Twitter and people have been talking about abolishing the police forces completely from uh, different American towns and cities. And in terms of a long-term strategy for um, the energy of protesters how does everyone feel about the idea of abolishing the police the first question is does abolishing the police mean abolishing the police completely or does it just mean changing um changing policing as we now know it what do you guys think i saw a hashtag saying um defund the police now i don't know if that's you know, yeah. I, I, it must be linked one way or another. But I don't know if the message is different. So defunding the police, I guess, would mean to reduce, I guess, the resources that goes there and stuff like that, or redirecting the focus. Whereas abolish in itself, I don't know how realistic or how reasonable that is, unfortunately, due to how we rely on it, how we rely on the you know police force for day-to-day stuff. I don't think you can abolish the police. Um, police are needed to keep some sort of law and order. I was watching a video about a couple of weeks ago about Sicily. And um, once in Sicily, there was no law and order. There was no like police force or anything. Uh, I believe one of the uh, occupying parties, like the Arabs, left the island. And because there was no law and order, a bunch of thugs started uh, being the law and order. And those thugs eventually became the... Um, mafia, so the mafia, and so if we didn't have police, the strong 
mentality of the strong man would probably come back and it would be people who are in gangs that would start policing everything. So you do need some some sort of like law and order, but it can't be changed. That's what I think. I kind of want to uh, steal Danny's role and be <laughs> and be devil's advocate, yeah? Do you kind of think, because like both of you have mentioned like it's not really realistic to abolish the police, but do you kind of think... Um, because we've been conditioned to think that this is an integral part of society that we've not thought outside the box. Like, because you know how, like, with capitalism, you'll say something like socialism, and even though, like, you know, for example, said party put out a fully costed manifesto, because we've thought that this is how it must be, yeah, we just go along with it. But really and truly, can something that wasn't made with us in mind really be reformed? I don't think you can reform the police. Even defunding it, the, in- the inherent um, like problems with the police will still be there. And even then, I think police officers, because they've got less money, they're going to take even more shortcuts. The people that, like their bias is going to be even worse towards certain minorities because it's like, oh, your silly protest took away our funding and we don't even have funding in the first place and it's just like are you getting rid of any problems or is that so-called reformation going to lead to more inequality understanding that the foundations of um how the police force was introduced in the first place off of the um i guess blueprint of you know slave catchers and stuff like that yeah there's the fact they still use dogs and stuff like that there is something around that that needs to be um rethought Mm. Um, I don't know how to go about, I don't know, see, racism is one of those things where it's difficult to, I don't know how to go about, you know, solving that as a as an issue, a deep-rooted issue, because regardless of what sort of infrastructure you put in place, an individual's bias, an individual's prejudice against someone will always exist. So regardless of how you reshape it, reform it, whether you give them more money or take away money, ultimately, if they think, you know, black people are, you know, more inclined to do bad, they're going to act in that way, be it giving them batons or guns, whatever you give them, they're still going to act in that way. So I don't, I don't, I agree with you in regards to, um, I don't know if it would change much, but when you said um, it's in, it's made, it's, do I think we've been accustomed to, you know, make it an integral part of society? Yes, there is a yes and no. Yes, as in, obviously, we've lived it for however long we've lived. Mm. Um, no, as in, it will be, I think things will open up like a purge. We don't have a society, there's a lot less trust and there's a lot less people who I get are trustworthy in society, in my opinion anyway, now, because there's not as much camaraderie mm. after themselves. So after a long period of being policed, you're now all free to do whatever you want. But will we be free to do whatever we want though? Just because you've removed police officers doesn't mean there's going to be what like... What are the um, okay, so I think the thing is, we get rid of police officers and we focus on the social issues that have led to the certain right. crimes that we have. Do you right. know what I mean? Right. So if we have right. more social workers, will there be those kind of crimes? Like, if there's, I don't know, I just think the whole thing needs to be blown up, you know? <laughs> I, I think it makes sense. I think if your first question is, oh, what's going to happen when you're you know, you're being violently attacked. I think you're asking the wrong question. Like, defunding the police and abolishing the police are, uh, are 
representations of a society where there's much less crime so you don't have those issues in the first place um i don't think it's possible to have a society where there is no crime because mm. even even from a biblical perspective you know the 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 devil is created because he's in heaven he's in heaven but he still has enough jealousy to become the devil and be sent to hell so even in heaven there's enough space for the devil for an angel to become the devil Man's so religion you know <laughs> well in society there's always going to be space for people to, to yeah. do things that are wrong so you can't get rid of crime completely but you can kind of change society enough as you were just saying that we don't need policing in the way that that we currently have it i think but kind of going back to what kevin said about thugs yeah you know i was watching this thing called avocado wars on netflix and basically it's all about mexico and like you know the police are basically like have zero power so what happens is like random guys start becoming the local police to kind of because the police do nothing so they become the police but then because they've got so much power they end up becoming thugs and then a new band of so-called like random guys that are the new police come up and then they like do you get what i'm saying like it's like a circle it's so weird so i think the police the system the police system can't be abolished it can't be reformed I think a good start for the US would be to demilitarize the police and um, not give them guns. Uh, but what about places like here where there's no guns? Yeah, you don't, like here, you don't hear the same amount of killings as what happens in America. I'm not saying that they don't happen, but not to the same extent. In America, you hear about it almost every, every week. That's not the same as in Britain. You demilitar demilitarizing the police would be a first step for them. It's tricky because they have the whole First Amendment, and then if the police don't have guns, but the citizens do, it might be dangerous for them. But like removing guns from police officers is a big step. I remember in Ireland, we learned after Ireland got their independence from the British, all of the Irish uh, police, the Gardaí, they don't have guns. In Britain, they don't have guns. In Nigeria. They do have guns, and guess what they do? They abuse it. Every other week in Nigeria, you hear of a police officer killing just a random civilian. When you give stupid people ammunition, they do stupid things. So yeah. the first step yeah. would be to get rid of their guns. Okay, they have batons and stuff like that, but I can guarantee the amount of people that would be getting killed weekly, monthly, will reduce you still have the other things to consider, like the justice system, and that's a whole different thing. But at least getting rid of their guns would solve the first step of the issue. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, the police can be reformed as well. I mean, we say the police can't be reformed, but you can improve police services. You can. How? Um, you change the law. So most of them don't even know the law though. People like Shaker Bayou where like things escalate, the death, regardless of what the law says, the death still occurred. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. I think if you look at things well in America, like qualified immunity, which is the legal framework which kind of shields government officials from from actions um which they carried out within their official capacity. And if you make police officers more responsible for their individual actions, 
Mm. and you create a fund to challenge police officers in every instance of misconduct, um, then you can start improving police services and you don't get people like, uh, like Chris, Chris Dorner, who um, Dave Chappelle recently talked about. I don't actually know. I don't know the answer. It's a weird one. And I don't know, I don't know what the trajectory, what the plan is for the hashtag abolish the police or defund the police. I don't know if people have actually derived a, you know, a plan of action after you defund them or abolish them. I don't know if anyone's right. actually... The, uh, yeah, even I think the plan of action, does BLM even have, like BLM UK, do they even have a plan of action? Because where's this money even going to? Well, I, was gonna, I thought it was going to legal fund like cases and stuff. <clears throat> that's the thing about having a very decentralized movement. There are lots of different things going on. Um, like in terms of the money is one thing, but there have now been uh, like people who've put forward their own plans of action. So for example, Dr. Umar Johnson has put forward a plan of action. We don't talk about him on the show. You've got to know <laughs> <why> you're... <laughs> uh, well, I mean, it's an example of someone who's put forward a plan of action. And actually, okay, I who else? Who else? Yeah, and, um, and that's UK as well. BLM UK. Who's put forward anything? Well, well, that's the point. I haven't actually seen many of them coming up, which is why I mentioned his one. But um, like, there are people who have ideas, but not not many people who have kind of solidified them into crystallized uh, um, aims. And that's what I think. That's what people have been screaming about: organizing and then mobilizing. I guess yeah. you need to organize first effectively before you can effectively mobilize. I think I this, this, this movement has more turned into a raising awareness kind of thing, especially in, especially outside America. Uh, in America, they are, they are pushing for laws to change and stuff like yeah. that. And they, they've managed to get quite a few of them. But outside America, it's more, turn, especially in the UK, it's more turned into like an awareness like an awareness that systemic uh racism does exist british people different countries have different approaches to racism americans um white americans they the racist ones they tell you that you're racist they would tell like black and brown people you're the racist ones french people just don't speak about race british people acknowledge race but they just don't think they're racist so Every country has their own kind of way of dealing with that issue. And I think for BLM UK, they're more uh, trying to like raise awareness, which I think they've succeeded with, especially with the things that happened yesterday with the, yeah, with the EDL law. Uh, they've, you know what, they have online, but then majority of uh, white British people aren't online, especially over a certain age. And the media coverage of what happened yesterday will be totally different from the Sky News and the BBCs. You hardly online, we hardly see any black people committing violence yesterday. We saw mostly white people and EDL people. But put on the news, put on Sky News, put on BBC, and I can guarantee you will see mostly black faces uh, when they report this. So, but I do think that we. BLM UK have managed to raise awareness that racism does exist, which is what they wanted to do. So, and by the way, I don't think it's important to 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 make that distinction between the UK and America and and Africa. Uh, I think it's obviously something that is 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 global, 
And I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. I don't think there's anything wrong with talking about, well, yes, I'm, I'm not so sure it's important to, to make that distinction between the different national, uh, dif- different national movements. Yeah. I, think they should, I think they should build off each other and complement each other rather than being, uh, you know, what's, what about us? What's going on over here type situation. But the only reason why I mentioned it was because I think we all, like, as Kevin mentioned earlier, like, the different ways different countries deal with racism. Like, in England, I don't know what it is here, yeah? Like, before I used to think they didn't know, but now I'm just like, you guys have been presented with all of these things, like, what Churchill does, what Churchill has done to, like, Kenyans in particular. Um, And they're still going on about what a great man he was. So, like, I feel like in England we don't have neo-nazi tiki tiki torch rallies i don't know we have this weird gaslighting it never happened it's not us kind of situation and how do you even you have that you also have the edl chanting we are racist and we love it or whatever they chanted yesterday like so yeah but then you've got um you know sky news and and certain mps saying oh it's just a few minority where if you go on facebook which i don't go on because that's just a cesspit of nonsense but they're all like saying the things that EDO are saying but still saying that they're not racist yeah it comes down to the british educational system and their approach to racism uh their their approach uh to racism is just to deny to deny that it happened i don't know if you guys saw the reports that after uh a lot of african countries got independence uh the british government burnt a lot of their colonial crimes that basically just sums up uh, the UK and the racism. They want to, uh, they want to portray the image that they helped uh, a lot of uh, countries that they colonized, and that kind of um, that kind of message has spread to a lot of countries. I was I saw a video where like elder Indian people they would often be like, yeah, the British, they helped build trains and stuff like that. And you have, like, also elder Africans who think the same. So, like, they want to portray their empire and their history as one that's, you know, civilized the world and industrialized the world. But you know it's more than that. You know that they committed a lot of atrocities. But they don't want to say that to their people because, you know, it doesn't fit their agenda since blm has raised such an awareness people that have come online and apologized for blackface and there's now a discussion of like whether those shows should be pulled what do you guys think about that i i was surprised that happened to be honest with you um i don't know i i don't think i don't think they should have been pulled for that reason in the same way i don't think it's right for the mayor of london Sadiq Khan to to take the political decision to to pull down statues and put and wait wait them. wait so you're against pulling down statues? I'm against Sadiq Khan pulling down statues for political reasons. I think, but everything statues, is political. Like pulling down the statue is political. What you think? What do you mean? As who in, do you expect to pull it down? Who? who I don't get. It. I don't think it. Sh- I don't think it should be Sadiq Khan who pulls down the statues. I think. But if when they're going people to did it in down, Bristol, it was an issue. No, Who I don't. Think, be? I think it should be people like like we saw in Bristol who um, decide that they want to pull statues down and pull them down. I don't think Sadiq Khan from his office should make that decision and go and get um, um, bulldozers to take them down. I don't think that's the right way to go about it. It has to be 
people focused. It has to be the people. The people need to see that this is done. Um, and I think that's kind of cathartic for everyone to be see that it was a people's decision. I don't think it's good for for um, for white people to look at. I get that. Um, yeah, I don't think it's good for white people to look at it being done this way. But yeah, in regards to it being an international movement, um, there have been some interesting movements on the continent from 54 African countries who signed the letter to uh, the United Nations to call for a, a debate on American violence to black people at the UN Human Rights Council um, next week. And I thought... I think that's actually a really big piece of news because um, it shows kind of an African consciousness of treatment of African people outside of Africa and the diaspora. Um, And it looks like probably a symbolic gesture at this point. It may become more than that, but I thought it was actually quite interesting. What do you guys think about that? I agree. I think the fact that there's even conversation or, or acknowledgement that, you know, we it's our it's our kind of responsibility to talk about this or to you know have this conversation. It's good, but charity begins at home. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like it's like okay, yeah, uh, stop attacking our people. Yeah, you'll be attacking your people in your own country. So it's, it seems very symbolic, but like charity begins at home. Look at what's happening in South Africa. Look how they treat their women. Look what is happening in Nigeria. Look how they treat their women and their men and their kids. So it's just like, okay, you care about what's happening to our people overseas, but you guys can't even take care of your own people in your country. So what, what are you actually saying? Like, it's, charity begins at home. It just seems like a, oh, we have to do something kind of thing to, you know, to just do something. If America, if they, send Amer- if they send a message to America <laughs> and America ignores it or does nothing, what's going to happen then? Nothing. Because a lot of African countries, because the leaders are jokes, they don't have any political leverage. They don't have any economic leverage. All the things that are happening to black people, imagine they were happening to Chinese people. They wouldn't dare do that because... American government themselves will use their their police to make sure that these these things are not happening to Asian people because if Asian people were getting killed like black people are, China would be like, yo, you better fix stuff. If not, we're gonna take this. this. That's what we said last week. I, we discussed that last week as well, and I, I agree 100. percent But at the same time, I don't think it's I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing for them to speak up and have this conversation. We're talking about the effects that um or the things that China China may do. This is yeah. part of the conversation. This is where it starts. It, we're nowhere near anywhere near China, for example. Our firepower, yeah. our, you know, our, ability, our negotiating powers in itself may not be anywhere near as strong as China. This might be the spot that we need to kind of... So shit. I mean, I know... Yeah. I, I like it. I get what you're saying 100%. And I agree with you. Yeah. I don't think yeah. it's... I don't think we shouldn't have that conversation. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. Bethina? I think that was as helpful as the Democrats were in that Kente thing. Like, oh I'm my gosh. <laughs> I'm, sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's also performative. Like Justin Trudeau, Mr. Prince Charming, taking the knee. These are wearing that. Them not writing that letter. It's all like, I'm tired of the audits. I'm tired of the reports. I'm tired of the letters. I'm tired of all of this nonsense. Like, when will there be movement? Come on. Well, you what sound you like see? a Leninist. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready to join the Parisians, man. I'm ready to do that some stuff. Let's do it. 
you, you know what? I was uh, I was reading something about the Hong Kong protesters. You know these guys? They protested for ten months. Every was it every like Wednesday and Friday? Protested for ten months straight. They had the equipment. They had the umbrellas. Like where where is the protest going to? Is it just gonna keep protesting or like what do you guys think do you think there needs to be some sort of plan moving forward or in the future i feel like with blm the whole protest is kind of like kind of like what martin luther king said in in terms of like it being the language of the unheard so it's like i feel like before and you guys probably already know this but before like a lot of laws were passed with regard to civil rights or even like lgbtqia um, rights like kind of there had to be protests before and there had to be kind of like violence and i just feel like there's a lot of respectability politics surrounding the use of violence and it just feels a bit disingenuous to me because like there are different forms of violence and because like um black people and like a lot of black working class people they don't have the social power to exercise the kind of state violence that obviously the state exercises so like this is how they're taking kind of matters into their own hands so with regards to um, taking the BLM movement forward, there has been so much. There has been so much um, work from the at least from at least nineteen from at least like nineteen thirty-five when W.E. W.E. Dubois wrote his book and like kind of made clear about like abolitionist politics. Like from then and from and from from then to the nineteen seventies, I think when like. Angela Davis and like the Black Panther Party kind of like made it clear that there is another way forward and like there is another way to kind of like imagine like a different political future and like a different social future using like the framework of abolitionist politics and so you know there are there is a lot of work that is being done and like I think right now it's gaining a lot of recognition so the BLM movement largely is is I think in cooperation with with that whole framework as well you can't reform you have to abolish man i agree there's no there's no what what are you what exactly are you going to reform because the thing is is that the, the whole society is a white supremacist capitalist is heteropatriarchy and at the end of the day that is what the whole world has been entrenched in and so no matter how much you try and do and me i get so obviously i you know to an, to an extent i'm kind of just like you know i'm on the sidelines but i i try to fight for it at work specifically but like mm-hmm. i this whole diversity and inclusion thing it really pisses me off because me personally i don't wish to be included in a racist society because we've been doing that diversity inclusion since my mom was at work like 30 years ago and they're calling her yeah. the n-word till this day we're still doing diversity and inclusion no we need to completely abolish this, the, the system and start building it from the ground up instead of um, top bottom it needs to be bottom up because it's the top that's telling us what to do i think that like and another thing that i think a lot of people with privilege do whether that be like white privilege or like rich rich people privilege, male male privilege, any kind of privilege, privileged people, they, they try to make it the, and I'm sure you guys already know this, but they try to make it the responsibility of those who they, their, their privilege, because the fact that you have privilege in this capitalist society means that someone that does not have that, that privilege by virtue of being, their humanity is denigrated in some way. So I don't understand how people think that 
okay, if I have this rich person privilege, I'm expecting this person to teach me about abolitionist politics or about how we can change the world. When this, when all of this literature is out in the public and you can literally download it in PDF version <laughs> and read it and, you know, try and apply it to your, to your personal and, and public politics. One thing I'll say though, a lot of the videos I'm seeing is not black people using, even using violence. Like most of the people I've seen using violence are the police. And then when it's not the police, it's like, like white teenage skateboard kids uh, or yeah so I, i've barely seen black people actually using like violence uh in this protest or every black person i've seen or most black people i've seen have been quite peaceful so yeah it's That's not even just start messing stuff up but to be honest like i understand that argument but at the same time i'm just like even even if black people were to be violent at this point, it's completely justified to me. And I and I feel like I just I want everyone to get on that wave. I want everyone to under, understand completely that like we can't be telling people who are oppressed how the way in which they should they should be um, they should be protesting because at the end of the day, this is a build up of not not just four hundred years. It's a lot more than four hundred years of different, ki- different kinds of systematic, personal, individual, public, national, state violence, any, every single kind of violence like you can think of in every single industry, it's happened to black people and the, and the world in general operates on anti-blackness. And the thing is, it's so, it's like in, encapsulated very clearly in police violence because that's someone's life and like you can see it, it's on video, but it happens everywhere. It happens in the medical field, it happens in academia. You saw that with the um, hashtag black in the ivory. So people are fed up and I don't blame them for being fed up. And to be honest, I support the violence wholeheartedly, actually. Even at Target. Even at Target. Yeah, because didn't <laughs> Target say that they're not going to sell um, milk and something to protesters? So like all these corpor- corporations that are going to get bailed out anyways, like the, time and time again, society has shown it's going to bail out corporations, it's going to bail out MNCs. It's time for the bottom man to get it. I mean, and police have also gone around destroying supplies that um, protesters yeah, have Yeah, and isn't themselves. like that in itself is disgusting. Kevin asked a question earlier about the sustained protests of, of Hong Kong. Is that what it's going to take in this, in this case to, to make a difference? Because yeah. I see some legislation yeah, I would, agree. even um, look at paris we don't even have to go as far as hong kong but even with paris when i was there subways buses everything was turned upside down everyone could feel it. the tension was in the air unless we get to that there's going to be as she said all this respectability politics there's going to be like one step forward two steps back there's going to be like small minor reform like shit needs to happen on a Paris scale for things to be taken seriously. I I think if we can even like I, I want it to last as long as possible. I think if we can even keep it going for a month, I think that would be a big win. Because it started uh to seem like it was dwindling, but actually it wasn't. It was just that the media wasn't picking picking up a lot of the protests that were still going on. If we can even keep it going on look at how much has changed already in the world in, in about a week or two. Imagine this went on for a month, two months. I think a lot could change. I do think that you do need to burn it down. You need to burn down a system that wasn't made for you instead of trying to modify it. So, yeah, I think we're all pretty much in agreement there. And I think, like, white people are very scared. And people that have have privileges that will be taken 
that the, if if obviously people continue to protest and if people get their rights, then you know because of the capitalist mindset, they feel as though something will be taken away from them. And right now, white people, and it's especially clear, like in the working world or in the corporate world, it's very clear that they're like kind of scared and they're panicking and they're trying their best to initiate diversity inclusion initiatives and things like that you know so i think this is a very special time and like as long as we can clearly explain to them that it's not diversity and inclusion that we want it's actually um completely different frameworks and i think if we're able to mobilize together and kind of like be on one page i think you know we can use this special time to to our advantage i am a bit very... i'm a bit worried i see that there's a lot of like not worried but i see there's a it seems like there's an increase in like race related um tension if you will so well, i know there's like four or five people we need there's like four or five um, li- four or five like lynchings are hanging have happened in america and stuff like that and obviously these people these edl people how do, how do we kind of like manage it in a situation in a way in which we kind of remain i don't know what i'm trying to say but you understand what um, i'm trying to say I was like, reading so there's something, not too much you know I, mean? I was reading something about how um Someone was breaking down MLK's movement and he was saying that a lot of the marches were just people trying to stick together, um, like appear in big groups because of how many um, racialized assaults and incidents were going on at the time. So they're portraying it as a peaceful walk, a peaceful march, a peaceful protest, but it's literally um, just big groups always mobilizing together, going to vote together. So I do think at this time right now we do need solidarity um and we need to sit together even if there's in-house cobbling i think outside we need to put on a united front um but yeah this has been a very insightful conversation and i love the fact that you know we've drawn on the voice we've drawn on angela davis um we've discussed whether it's reformation or whether it's straight up abolition um and even mentioning the performative measures of like certain politicians and african leaders um, i want to actually before, before we wrap up yeah i wanted to say like on the performative thing that you were saying i completely agree england and um europeans in general the way in which their culture works there are a culture of very empty gestures and they yeah. think that empty gestures are going to make up for everything that they've done in the past and at the end of the day i think that like obviously taking down the statues everything that's all well and good but like there really needs to be like legislative measures and like proper measures to be taken in place so that we can see tangible change that happens for the people that need it no more no more like no more of this like tokenism and everything i still think i still think it's bullshit the fact that you admit that you stole all of this stuff from africa and you're still keeping it anyway don't get me angry I think yeah, just an old man that castrated and mutilated people is sick in itself. And that just shows you what a state we're in right now in this country. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. One day, um, hopefully, when uh, Africa has stable electricity in most of the big countries and has available internet access, the people in Africa will actually know what these people did. Because a lot of Africans in Africa really don't know a lot about racism. Uh, when I went to Nigeria, I spoke to a couple of people in my village and I was telling them, like, do you know how these people treat us over here? And they were like, no. And then when I told them about racism, they were shocked. They were like, what? That happens over there? Like, it's only now it's actually the Chinese that some people in Nigeria are kind of like seeing what the Chinese are doing to them and they're getting aware of what racism is. 
But I think education will be very helpful going forward. Yeah, so overall, I really like the transparency and just putting people, like putting the whole world really on their toes with this movement. 100%. We just need to keep the fire burning and start. That's it. it. So thank you for tuning into Afrolog. And as Rishi just said, we've got to keep the fire burning, guys. Stay tuned. Take care. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye.